Luke chapter 14 is our scripture text. Verse 16. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, as was his custom was. And he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Esaias. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and the covering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. Now it was gracious then, but you read a few verses, it ceases to be gracious in their ears. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said unto them, You will surely say unto me, This proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also hear in thy country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, No prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias, when the Heaven was shut up for three years and six months when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel at the time, is the time of Elisuus, the prophet, and none of them were cleansed, saying, saving Naaman the Syrian. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, and rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him into the brow of the hill wherein their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. Interesting thing here. This all started where? At church. Interesting. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way and came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. And in the synagogue there was a man which had the spirit of an unclean devil. All devils are unclean, praise God, amen. And cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee, who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace, and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out and hurt him not. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commandeth the unclean spirit, and they came out, and the fame of him went about into every place of the country round about. 
Today's lesson is entitled, Not Stopped by Rejection. You may be seated. story here that we read to you is one that a lot of folks would have a hard time if they had experienced what Jesus experienced. I'm speaking to people that, for the most part of you, you've always been raised here. This is home to you. You know everybody and everybody knows you. And you know about every nook and cranny there is to know in these here neck of the woods. And if someone were to reject you, or let's say that the majority of people that you know were to reject you, then you would understand how Jesus felt. This was home. Come back to see the family. Goes to church with them. Comes his time to read, and he starts reading from the prophet Isaiah. And they're okay with it till he gets down to the part where he starts getting in their business. And these same religious people become extremely unreligious. Now they're ready to stone him. Um... Somehow or another, those stories don't seem to go together. On one side of the story, we're in church reading God's Word. Next thing you know, they're picking up rocks, finding the best way they can stone you until you die. All from the same church people. Um, very disturbing. This is what the Lord faced. At first... Jesus' synagogue sermon was well received by the people of Nazareth. In Luke 4.22, it says they, quote, wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. Well, Brother Jesus, you did mighty good. That was some gracious words. Some mighty fine words that you said. Until he got in their business. Somebody said the truth hurts. It come very close to hurting a lot here. Their attitude changed when he reminded them of a moment in Elijah's life. God sent the prophet Elijah to minister to a widow in Zarephath during a time of famine. You'll find this in 1 Kings 17. The woman was not a member of the nation of Israel. This is what really got under their skin. Yet because of her faith in God, she received a continuous supply of food during a famine. God's people had rejected the Lord and his prophet during this time, so God worked outside the boundaries of the nation of Israel. A Gentile received miraculous provision while the faithless Israelites went hungry. And this was what Jesus was telling them. All those words from Isaiah, they're, oh, those are gracious words. 
as long as they're just words, but when Jesus put a little life to them and brought it home to everyday living, the scene changed. A lot of times we'll take things out of proportion. We'll take scripture out of reference and misuse scripture. Have you ever heard people misuse? Judge not. Lest you be judged. Read the rest of that before you judge that scripture. Another one is, all things work together for good. To him that love the Lord. Them that are called according to his purpose. Good scripture. But you take it out of context, read the rest of it. Read the rest of it. There's a lot more to that passage of Scripture than that one little verse that you take out of context. This is what they were doing. They were allowing their minds to take Isaiah's readings and just take it out of context. Say, oh, that was gracious words. Jesus said, hold on just a minute. I'm paraphrasing. Hold on just a minute. Let Let me break this down for you. Let me break it down for you. Jesus' experience mirrored Elijah's. While Jesus' own people refused to believe in him, outsiders often readily accepted his claims. Jesus later said of a certain Roman centurion who was a Gentile, I I found no greater faith, no, not in all of Israel. I can't find anybody that's got faith like you. And here you are a pagan. Oh, y'all need to wake up this morning. Praise the Lord. Amen. Jesus' earthly ministry testified to the fact that God's promises are not constrained by national borders or limited to a a certain ethnicity. Hello? God's promises to whosoever will line up to what God is expecting of them. Jesus was willing and remains willing to respond to anyone who exercises faith. Without faith, it's what? Can't be done. It's beyond your ability. It's impossible to what? Now, you're sitting in these chairs today, I would assume, because you want to please God. You went through the trouble of getting out of bed, grooming yourself, and hopefully bathing yourself. Praise the Lord. Amen. And timing your vehicle where it'll get here on time. Yesterday I went to a, a special meeting that the Mary Allen College Museum had. And I don't mean this in a wrong way. It's just, it's just the culture. But I was amused. It started at 1 o'clock. And at 1.45, they were still coming in. And it finally, you know, it's dawned on me why that they do that. 
because they think, well, it's 1 o'clock, so at 1 o'clock I'll start getting ready. And the same is for church. Dear friend of mine, Brother Paige Frazier, African-American minister in Jackson, Mississippi. He's nearly, he's probably in his 70s by now. But one of my dearest friends, love him to death. think he's the most finest man that's ever walked in shoe leather. But I had him come preach from him one time. I said, now we start, you know, whatever time it was. Okay. 45 minutes later, after time, here they come. But now they stay as long as you won't stay, but they're going to be late. Some folks just like that. Just, you know, don't really seem to, seem to have a, a conscious awareness of, of what time they're really supposed to be there. Amen. But yet still, faith is a requirement. Even though we go through all these preparations to get here on time and, and we get here and, and to worship the Lord, the bottom line is if you go through all that trouble and you don't have any faith, guess what you've just did? You've wasted your time and God's too. Well, without faith, it's what? It's impossible to please Him. I want to please God. But my fear and my doubt and my unbelief will never, Brother Jace, ever please God. If I constantly live in fear and doubt and unbelief, then I can never hope to please God. I've got to have the faith. Praise the Lord. Sometimes faith says, it doesn't matter what I see or what I hear, I'm going to just believe. Trust is a derivative of faith. It's faith stretched, put to the breaking point at great length, but yet you still choose to believe in God and his word and what he said that he would do. Jesus was willing and remains willing to respond to anyone who exercises faith. God's plan has always been bigger than any select group of people. On the day of Pentecost, Peter declared that God's promises are for all them that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Peter did not even believe his own words. Because later on he had a little bit of problem <clears throat> with prejudice. Paul called his hand on it later. Does that mean that Peter was no good and you know, and you don't need to read anything out of first or second Peter or any of his references because after all, he had a prejudice problem, no? He still got called. But he was human just as you are human. <clears throat> he struggled to accept the idea that God would fill Gentiles, non-Jews with the Holy Ghost. He really thought in the beginning when it all happened on Acts chapter 2 and the few chapters that followed, he really, really thought it was a Jewish thing. That if you wanted to receive this precious baptism of the Holy Ghost, you had to follow all the Jewish rules. 
what he believed until God revealed differently. The truth finally hit him, causing Peter to declare, of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but an abomination that he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. And God isn't a respecter of persons. He don't love me more than he does you. He don't love you more than he does me. Now, come on, somebody. Praise the Lord. God's no respecter of persons. But oftentimes, our obstinance, our attitudes, our lack of faith, is what separates us from God, not because God's a respecter of persons. If there's any separation between God and man, it's when man chooses to separate. Adam and Eve, they had communion with the Lord. Cool of the day, every morning, Spirit of the Lord just breezes through. And they communed. Didn't know what they had. But when they sinned, that was over. They now had to seek him. I realize that God will come to you at times, but for the most part, God leaves it up to you to seek him. Not that he be far from any one of us, but it's up to us to seek him because if you don't seek him, you become carnal. You'll fall into the, you know, the thing about, about moving away from God you don't have to do anything. Just let your carnal nature just take its natural course. The atomic nature will kick in without you even realizing it. You can leave the motor running. And it'll just take you right on down into carnality and you didn't even see it happening. Amen. But if I want to please God, then I've got to search the scriptures for in them you think you have the eternal life. I've got to seek that out. I've got to search out after that. I've got to look for him. Not that he's hiding, but nonetheless, I've got to put aside my carnality, put aside my own rules and say, God, I seek for you because I want to please you, Lord. Luke contrasted the response of the people of Nazareth with what happened in the synagogue at Capernaum, Jesus next stop. In Nazareth, Jesus was merely given the opportunity to preach about the deliverance of the promised, excuse me, the deliverance promised in Isaiah 61. But the people refused to believe. In Capernaum, Isaiah's promise of deliverance and liberty became a reality when Jesus cast the devil out of a man. Now let's do a little comparison. On this side we have the synagogue. Pious people attending the synagogue. On the other side we have Capernaum. Not a lot of the same over there going on over here. It's a whole different poles apart. Jesus begins to preach Isaiah to them. At first they like it until he begins to break it down for them a little bit. And then they become infuriated. The Bible says you can be angry and sin not. 
anger is a human reaction. What you do with that anger is another matter. How you handle that anger. You know, when someone is angry, it's best to allow your senses to return because when you're angry, you're thinking with emotions, not a reliable thing. When you're angry, you ever said, boy, when I got mad, I said things I shouldn't have said. Well, it's because you were speaking with emotion. Emotion is too unreliable. It's something that is given to us for certain things. But to make decisions emotionally is a mistake. And to decide to say something in anger is a serious mistake. Cool down first. Well, anything the scripture says agree with your adversary quickly, it means cool that thing down. Don't try to reason with an angry person. You'll never get anywhere. Two kinds of people you don't ever reason with, angry people and drunk people. Neither one of them are in their right minds. Amen. But here we find these two groups of people. And over here, these people become angry and irrational. He really got under their skin by merely telling them truth. That's why truth has to be, you have to carefully handle it. You know, I can take the truth of the Word of God and I can slaughter people with it. Or with the help of the Lord, I can help save them from their sin. I can't save anybody. Only the preached word will save. But God has to have a voice. That's the way he chose it. Wasn't my choice. It's God's choice. He's the one who chose it. But nonetheless, when he spoke these words, these people become so angry that they didn't use common sense. They became angry enough to want to pitch him out of the synagogue, but that wasn't enough. They wanted to kill him. So it had gone from bad to worse. By merely speaking the truth of the power of the deliverance that Isaiah 61 said, and he began to expound on that, this group of people, the way they responded was by anger. But over here in Capernaum, he was able to deliver a man possessed of devils, much like these people were influenced by devils. He was able to deliver this man simply because somebody dared to believe him. If you can't believe him, you're over here in this camp. You're not in your right mind. But if you dare to believe his word, then you're over here in this camp. And things can happen supernatural beyond your understanding. Praise God. If I can't believe God, then, you know, I'm going to be in this area over here where I'm not thinking straight. I'm going to make all kind of mistakes. But over here, I can find power and strength and deliverance when I dare to believe God. Which one would you rather be in? Y'all a quiet bunch today. And you know I've said it before. Y'all get quiet. I tend to repeat myself a lot. We could be a while. Smile, I was funny. Come on, that was funny. 
Some of y'all ain't laughing because you think I really meant it. <laughs> Brother Justin offered me water. I said, Sister Moses already got it. He said, what would you put in it? I said, something to make me teach longer. <laughs> and somebody made a wisecrack about whose teeth did I have in my mouth. I won't name any names. <sighs> Some people are content with merely hearing God's word proclaimed. Oh, preacher, that was so good. Oh, I just, oh, just, oh, that was so good. If you're a hearer and not a doer, you haven't done yourself any good. To just be a hearer, come and get comfort. Hey, I'm not, I'm not knocking that. Thank God you get comfort. But it shouldn't stop there. It should change and transform you and make you what you ought to be. I believe it was Abraham Lincoln made the comment one time. He said, you know, I wouldn't have a preacher unless he's one like, that preacher's like he's fighting a whole herd of bees. <sighs> well, that's some preaching. <sighs> Isaiah promised that the Messiah would be despised and rejected of men. Jesus frequently faced rejection during his ministry, including the rejection from the people of his own hometown. How many won't be like Jesus? Okay, I've got two. Is there anybody else? Well, there's another one. There's a couple more. Okay. Well, for the rest of you, God bless you. I hope you want to be like the Lord. If you're going to be like the Lord... There's some people that ain't going to like what you're doing. And it may come from very surprising quarters. Sometimes your own family, your closest friends, those you've known all of your life. He didn't allow the rejection to derail his ministry. Regardless of whether he was Welcome with open arms or thrown out of the city. Jesus continued to be faithful to his calling. How about us? Are we people pleasers? Brother Jason, you'll be my friend as long as you like everything I do. But now if you have a disagreement, then off with your head. You're gone. You're no longer in my life. Well, give me a Methodist nod or Baptist cough or Pentecostal amen or something here, folks. A lot of folks, they, you know, they have friends because their friends believe, they, they agree with that. You know what? A real friend will tell you, you know what? You fix a mess up, bud. That's what a real friend will tell you. Real friend will tell you, hey, 
What you're doing ain't right if you're not doing right. Uh, the fair weather friend that always wants to agree with you. Careful about them kind because they tend to be unpredictable. I'd rather somebody just be honest with me. Don't have to be ugly about it, but you can be honest. You can be honest without being ugly. Somebody said, well, I'm blunt and I can't help it. Yeah, you can. Yes, you can. You don't have to be ugly people to tell them the truth. You can be kind. Am I in the right church? You do not have to be ugly to be kind to people and, and to tell them the truth. Jesus, our perfect example. Here he is in church. Has the scroll open. Reading from right to left. Did you know they read right from left? In the Hebrew, reading it, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel. He got done, he sat down. Everybody staring at him. Thinking, what gracious words this young man has just said. This day has this been fulfilled in your ears. Oh, that's so gracious. <sighs> then he started plowing a little cotton. <laughs> Dropped the blade a little lower. Yeah. And that's when everything took a nasty, nasty turn. Yeah. Oh, God, help us. He, our perfect example, did what he thought was the correct thing to do. Right. Then we have to be following after him and say, God, teach us what to say. And when not to say it. Yes. Sometimes we can say the right thing at the wrong time is still wrong. Because it was given at the wrong time. When it could not be received. There are other times it's the right time to say it and it still won't be received. But it's still the right thing to say. Only God can sort those things out with wisdom. That's why we spend time with the Lord before we open our mouth. Careful when you say words. I've yet to be able to cram them back in my mouth and there were times I wished I could have. But once they escape your mouth, it's all over. It is tempting and easy to base our sense of self-worth on the acceptance of others. Are you people pleasers? I've already asked that once. Are you people pleasers? Do you feel that you have to be accepted to be able to do what is right? Oh, I got really quiet in here. As a result, we often bend our behavior. Now, this is not my words, by the way. This is straight out of the book. As, often, as, as a result, we often bend our behavior to conform to the expectations of our associates. 
Back when my kids were growing up, we bought them these little figures. They, they wouldn't want to call them dolls, but this is what they were. Kind of like the G.I. Joe stuff, you know? The action figures, what they called them. Action figures. Boy, they had an imagination. You'd sneak up on them just to, you know, kind of pick up what they were doing, and it was, it was funny. Um, they had a... They had their own system going. They even had voting systems for these guys. They'd all get to vote and all this kind of stuff. It was the most fascinating thing. They'd take those action figures, you know, and they'd pose them just right. They'd bend their arms, you know, and bend their legs, and, you know, I, I got you now. Boom, 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 boom. Those action figures were bendable where you could pose them just like you wanted them. And they had them posed in all kind of crazy different positions. Maybe we're bendable Christians. You want me to act like that? Here, let me see if I can bend myself that way. If this will make me, uh, make you cause your, to to accept me, then maybe I'll, I'll, I'll go where you're going. I'll say what you want, you know, to bend to your will. One of the things Jesus said in his prayer as an example for us is part of the things that you need to pray, not my will, but thine be done. If there's any bending, it's to the Lord, not to those that you're trying to get to accept you. Praise God. Somebody said, well, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Now, I'm not trying to attack anybody's feeling of how they believe about God. It may be wrong, but I don't disrespect anybody. But we'll say this. Has Jesus accepted you? Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. How does he accept me? Well, by living a holy life where it starts. Secondly, obviously the first thing you need to do is repent. That's your first works. And the scripture is very clear that you be baptized. And there's one and only one method of baptism ever given in the scriptures. In the name of Jesus. And it lets us know when you, when you receive the Holy Ghost that there's an evidence that it's there by speaking a tongue that I didn't stand around and tell you. See my tie, tie my tie. And I say that real fast five times. Or whack your leg. Oh, machine, oh, machine, oh, machine, oh, machine. Say that five times real fast. Sounds a little amusing, but it's similar to what they do. It says, as the Spirit gives the utterance. As the Spirit of the Holy Ghost gives the ability for you to say it. If it comes from you, then it comes from flesh. If it comes from Him, it comes from a heavenly source, thus proving you've received something from heaven called the Holy Ghost. And that's all extra. I don't charge nothing extra for that. Praise God. Amen. We judge whether we have done well by the feedback we receive from others. Ouch. 
Boy, I tell you what, Facebook has become a very many-splendored thing. It's amazing to me how I can see folks get on there and they talk about how good God is. How wonderful he is. And put scripture. And then the next thing you know, probably within the same conversation, there's words in there I wouldn't even let a sailor know about. Nasty, filthy talk. And then the pictures show up. Well, I go to I go to Apostolic Church, but you know, I don't see anything wrong running around with nearly nothing on and putting it on Facebook. After all, it's in my backyard. Well, it left your backyard, honey, and went on Facebook. It went around the world to everybody's computer and phone. That makes a difference. Brother Mochi preached against Facebook. Well, if I am, I'm a hypocrite because I'm on Facebook. It's not, it's not Facebook as much as it is how you behave on Facebook. You need to be the same Christian, which I hope it is the same, that you are here. Anything you say or do on Facebook, remember, it's reflecting on your Lord. Praise God, amen, amen. I didn't even intend to say that, but that just kind of come out like that. But I tell you what, I see things on Facebook that just blow my mind. People are going to get out there and, and air out their dirty laundry. Tell stuff that just make me blush. Oh, my goodness, I don't think I need to read that. And finally, it gets down to the sad point that you don't want to, but you have to, especially if they're kin to you. And they're still doing it. You have to block them. Mm. I want to tell you, if you're connected to me on Facebook and you go saying or doing the things that ain't pleasing to the Lord, you will be blocked. Be forewarned. Amen. We live in a wicked world. But it's our duty and our responsibility to live holy and righteous in this, this dark and wicked world in which we live. We can't be influenced by everybody else because everybody else is doing don't make it right. Doing God's will will often put odds with the culture in which we live. The Lord Jesus clashed with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and he never mince words to appease either party. His death came at the hands of Romans who held the reins of government. Jesus had the confidence to look to the Roman governor Pontius Pilate in the face and tell them, Thou couldst have no power at all against me except it were given thee from above. Luke recorded that people as Capernaum were astonished at the preaching of Jesus because his word was with power. The Word of God is powerful, quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Why two-edged? It can save or it can slay. It's quick and it's powerful. 
and when in the hands of an anointed child of God, it is words with power. Amen. After seeing him cast the devil out of a woman, uh, out of a man in their synagogue, they remarked in amazement, "What a word is this! For with authority and power he commandeth the unclean spirits, and they come out." I've been involved in casting out demons out of people before. If you've never seen it, I'll say at the very least it's interesting. People are bound by spirits. I was praying this morning. And I was praying an old phrase that old saints used to pray, and you don't hear much of it anymore, and it's called pleading the blood. I plead the blood. And I was praying, oh God, I plead the blood. And a memory came back to me of when I was casting a demonic spirit out of a man. And I was praying. So I was casting that spirit out. And I said, I plead the blood of Jesus. And that devil laughed through that man. <laughs> I plead the blood of Jesus. <laughs> You know what I said? And I was a young man. I said, shut your mouth. You're coming out. Six devils come out of that man. Jesus told us, boy, behold, I give you power that you can tread on serpents scorpions and all the enemy I've given you power you have more power than you realize but oftentimes we just are content to take the minimum oh God help us there is a hunger in my spirit yea there's even a desperation in my spirit that we reach for that which we used to have. What do you mean, Brother Motes? There is a great power that has been promised to us. Maybe you haven't experienced it, but I have. And that which I've seen before, I desire to see again. And it won't happen if you don't put everything you got into it. If you just haphazardly put a little into it and kind of just milk your way along, going to try your best to survive the best way you know how, that's not the way to serve God. The way to serve God is said, I'm in it whole hog. I don't care what they throw at me. I don't care if they reject me. I don't care if the person that loves me the most hates me the most because of what I, I have made up in my mind. I'm pleasing God. I'm serving God. I want to see its power, his demonstration, his glory. Oh, I've got to have the power of God. I don't know about you, but it don't content me just to come and 
get a little bit of goose pump every once in a while. That's all that I need. Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. Today, I await the results of my test. As I stand here today, I have no idea whether or not my situation has worsened, gotten better, stayed the same, or it's completely gone. Do I have any idea? But I got news for you as I close this lesson today. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. I got a lot yet to do to please God. But I can tell you this. Real faith is walking when you don't know what the next step's going to be. And it's so easy tell somebody else to trust God until you've walked in these shoes oh but my heart's desire more than extended life of however long God wants to give me you know what my priority is To see the glory of God and the power of God demonstrated in this place. I've seen many of you grow. I've seen others not grow. I suppose that's considered a normal church. There will be those that will grow. There will be those that won't grow. There will be others that separate themselves from the body. It's beyond my control. Just as sure as I can't make you grow, then I can't make you not grow. The choice is still yours. But blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. There is a promise that is irrefutable and cannot be reversed. For it says, and they shall, shall, cannot be reversed, shall. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall what? They shall be filled. In order to be filled... Listen to me. If you don't hear anything as I said, my Bible's closed. My lesson book is closed. But I want you to hear me right now. If you want to be filled, you've got to empty yourself out first. 
of all the stuff that God's not happy with. And it may not be that you're going out and committing some horrible sin. It could be just as simple as not believing. It could be just as simple as staying too busy. Can that be a sin? Yeah, because it's a choice. Things which you can't control aren't a sin, but the things you can control, that's what God looks at mighty closely, and he inspects it and to see if you're making the right decision with which you have control over. That's your real world. Oh, could you just lift your hands right now and 